Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Zach Van Norman with Once Upon a Fan, bringing you our latest podcast. And I am joined, of course, by my regular host, Amy Hood. Hello, Amy, darling. Hello, darling. How are you? I'm doing excellent. Uh, we had a record snowfall in Seattle last night, all 2.9 inches of it. So, you know, hey, we're a record. Aww. We won the Super Bowl, and then we set a record with, you know, the snow. So, hey, got to look Awesome. It's true. And right now... I'm good because we are, as of today, 27 days away from Wonderland and 30 days away from uh, Once Upon a Time coming back. So I'm very excited about that as we're approaching the downside hill of this very long hiatus. Yeah, thank the gods for that, too. If you're a Battlestar yes. then you probably know that reference. But, yeah, um, thank the gods. I am so happy that we're almost done with this and that we've only got a month left until we get some new episodes because I need to know what's happening with our people. So very excited. I also just want to let everybody know, too, we've got the chat room open and ready to go. And as usual, I'm going to do our warning that it may take you a couple of minutes to log into the chat room because we've noticed that that happens for some folks. So if it takes a couple minutes and it's not there, just keep refreshing and you will be able to get into the chat room, no problem. So uh, we've got a lot of news to cover today. We've got some casting news, um, a couple of other things, and then we've got uh, an interview with Eddie Kitsis and Adam Horowitz that Once Upon a Fan just did, and we're going to be discussing that too. Um, so I just want to let everybody know in advance, um, we're going to talk about the casting news and go through our regular news roundup, but then we are going to start talking about the interview that um, the creators of the show did with Once Upon a Fan, and we do want to hear from you guys and find out what you all feel about this as well. So the call-in number is 347-677-1653. I'll say that again, 347-677-1653. Um, we want to know your thoughts on Rumpel and the Dark One, you know, the powers there and how that's going to work, the Wicked Witch, um, and kind of the future of the season. So we're going to get to that in just a second here. Let's start our news roundup with the casting news that we have, which is that we've got um, Blackbeard cast as well as a young King Leopold. So we've got uh, Charles Measure playing Blackbeard, and Eric mm-hmm. Lang was cast as a young Leopold. I'm quite intrigued to see how this is going to play out. Amy, how do you feel about this? I'm excited to see it. I I like to see another pirate coming in. I'm also thinking that at some point before Once Upon a Time as the series ends, we're eventually going to have every cast member who was ever on Lost come on to Once Upon a Time, which is fine with me because I love Lost and I'm a big Adam and Eddie fan for a very long time and I'm Tron Freak and all that. But both uh, the actor who was cast as Blackbeard and the actor who was cast as young Leopold were both on Lost. Now, Charles Measure, who is Blackbeard, um, was only on one episode, whereas Eric Lang has been cast as young Leopold and who I might say very, very much resembles the actor who played Leopold previously, the older version of Snow's father, very similar eyes. I noticed that when I was looking at some pictures, but I think the casting is going to be very well. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think that he does look a lot like, um, you know, the actor who was cast as Jim Leopold. I think that he does look a lot like uh, Richard Schiff, who was uh, Schiff, yeah. the old, yeah, who was the older um, Leopold. And then as far as um, Mr. Measure playing Blackbeard, I'm actually really happy about this casting for two reasons. Number one, 
Um, as Amy, you pointed out in the private conversation between the two of us, he does look a little bit like Colin O'Donohue. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, in my opinion, he also looks like um, Ian McShane, who played Blackbeard in the fourth uh, Pirates of the Caribbean Pirate. movie uh, on Stranger Tides. Yeah. He looks a lot like yeah. him to me. And um, when Amy and I were talking, actually, I'm going to give full credit to Amy here. Um, she came up with the idea that perhaps Blackbeard is Hook's father. And I absolutely love that theory, Amy. I think it's genius. <laughs> well, I hadn't even noticed it until today, right before I messaged you that. I was looking at the picture of him when I was looking at his credit. He has those very light blue eyes and the very dark black hair, and he does resemble Colin O'Donohue. So maybe Blackbeard is going to turn out to be Hook's father maybe, you know, an, an aged version of Hook, but I, I would not be surprised at this point to see that he turns it out to be Hook's father and that maybe that led into the whole piracy thing, you know, why he turned out the way that he did. But I'm excited to see it. I, I do love Hook. I love Colin O'Donoghue. Yeah, I know yeah, so many monsters do, of course. I mean, I, I love Hook, too, and I love Colin O'Donoghue myself. Um, it's, I'm just not a Captain Swan person. I'm a Swan Fire person, so I'm a little bit biased. Right. But um, one thing that I do want to point out about this, too, is that, you know, I think the fact that we've had Rumpelstiltskin dealing with his father issues, and now we've got his nemesis mm-hmm. Hook, I think that it makes complete sense story-wise for Blackbeard to end up being Hook's dad, just so that they can kind of you know, have that running scene between those two characters so that they would actually have mm-hmm. something in common more than what you would think. So um, that's that's why I'm uh, pretty happy about that idea, and I love that you came up with it too. So, so there we have so that bit of news there. And then we've also got um, the, uh, the Shorty Awards are still going on, and Amy, I think you've got some uh, information about the Shorty Awards as we keep going throughout this yep. track. We're still in, yeah, we're still in the running for that. Again, all you have to do is, log into your Twitter and if you don't have a Twitter it takes all of a minute and a half to set one up and then fire off one single tweet and that automatically counts as a vote and all it has to say is I nominate at Once Upon a Fan which is the Twitter handle for Once Upon a Fan for a shorty award in hashtag fan site because and then put whatever the reason whatever it is that you like about the fan site um, we are coming to the close pretty soon on the Shorty Awards, so please definitely get in there and fire off a, a quick tweet for us. Um, we also are still doing the Oz cover art competition, so if you have any type of medium of Oz cover art, we're still taking fan submissions for one uh, to be narrowed down to the one that's going to be chosen to be the Once Upon a Fan social media cover art, and I believe we're taking those until February 6th. I might not be 100% on that date, but we'll double-check it. Yeah, and um, I I really am excited about the fan art competition. I love fan art. It's one of my favorite um, aspects of the Once community is how creative people can be. And we have some really good submissions for the Neverland competition um, before mm-hmm. Season 3 started. And I'm really excited to see what people are going to do with you know, the odds theme because there are so many different options that they could do. So definitely send that in to a newsroom at once upon a fans with an S at the end.com. And uh, do you want to join the competition or you can, you know, put it on Facebook or on Twitter. Um, it's at once upon a fan and uh, Facebook is uh, once upon a time fans. And you'll know it because uh, we've got over 180,000 likes now. So um, 
which is just crazy. Yeah. I have to say again, that's just insane how fast this site grew that way. All right, so um, that's pretty much all the stuff that we have for the news. So now I want to get to Adam and Eddie's interview, and this is the part where we well, want we to share your thoughts. Well, we did have a birthday. Oh, oh, we oh, have oh, a couple of right, my bad. Let's not leave let those back, out. Let me back up the Wonder <laughs> Train just a little bit. Okay, so it was Eddie Kitts' birthday this past week, so we want to wish a a belated happy birthday to Eddie. Um, he was right. you know, really nice His messages birthday. on Facebook to everybody, so it was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, Eddie's birthday was on the 4th. We also actually, Gil McKinney and Barbara Hershey had uh, birthdays this past week as well. I'm not 100% sure on the date because I know – uh, Gil had mentioned he was celebrating on a different day, but I know Eddie's was on the fourth because that was my grandmother's birthday, and it was also my anniversary. So, <laughs> yay! Happy birthday yeah. to all of them. Yes, and happy anniversary. Now to we can. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now we can get to the Adam and Eddie. Adam and I can't even talk. Adam and Eddie interview. There we go. Um, so that we can Which discuss is so all the exciting. Very very exciting, and we do want to. You know, I don't want to necessarily speak for everybody, but um, for myself, I will say thank you very much to Adam and Eddie for um, getting this interview done. They sat down with uh, our, our uh, reporter slash writer slash fabuloso, um, Diane Reed. And uh, if you don't know who Diane Reed is, then I suggest you go to banditsranch.com or you can also look her stuff up on Facebook. She's got some really good novels that she's written. Um, including one that she did about Robin Hood, which uh, came out last year, I believe. So, yeah, if you want mm. some more information on Diane and you want to know more about her, you can check that stuff out. But, all right, here we go. So, this interview, um, very, very exciting. First thing that they talked about, of course, was Robert Carlyle and, you know, whether or not Rumpelstiltskin is still going to be alive and, you know, the dark one and everything like that. So I just want to read an excerpt from the interview where we get into that. And uh, then we want everybody to call in and share your thoughts on it. So Diane asked, um, she asked Adam and Eddie, uh, then tell me about the Dark One. Can that status shift? Without Rumpel for a while, can the Dark One status be handed off to another character? Adam's answer was, the Dark One status as we have seen it is an ever-shifting thing. It's what we established when we showed the origins of Rumpel as the Dark One, and I think it's fair to say that we will further explore that mythology. And then Eddie's answer was, and I will say that what we've seen in the past is that the only way to become the Dark One is to kill the one before you, and then you take his suit. It's the evil version of Santa Claus. And I love that it. it's like the evil version of I never yeah, – now like I'm just in the movie. like this dark, like crocodile leather Santa version of a suit. Like, isn't that kind of creepy to think about that? All right. That's hilarious. Um, so, and then uh, Eddie also went on to say, for us, I think this is a first because we've never seen a dark one zap themselves. And Diane said, right, so there are logistics belonging to dark one status. That's a very cool detail. And Eddie said, I can tell you that this will absolutely be explored. So – what does everybody think about that? Uh, first of all, I'm going to ask you, Amy, obviously being the co-host, what do you think about that bit of the interview? I think it's definitely interesting because I know in the interview, too, um, they mentioned that we are definitely eventually going to get into the origins of the book, which means there's more to it than what we've seen. I have always loved your theory that Yen Sid has been sort of the writer, creator of all these things. But I am so glad we're going to get into more about the whole Dark One thing because we've teased a lot. We've talked about, you know, how Rumpel sacrificed himself and maybe he'll be like Gandalf and come back as Rumpel the gold or something. But obviously there's going to be 
some kind of transition because he took his own life, but his life was taken with that dagger. So, you know, what does this mean for him? What does it mean for the whole Dark One status? I'm super excited to to get into that. I love, you know, these little things that we've kind of seen here and there, but we don't really know where the origin was, and I can't wait to see it. I'm very interested in it also. Uh, thank you very much for, for mentioning my theory about Yensid. I do, for anybody who's listening, if you're new to the podcast or maybe you've been with us since the beginning, um, I did write a theory a couple of months ago that um, the author of the book is Yensid the Sorcerer from uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice version or uh, section of uh, the original Fantasia movie with uh, Sorcerer Mickey. Um, there are a number of reasons why I think so, and you can read the theory on onceuponafans.com. We'll also post a link to it later on on the uh, Facebook page and on Twitter for the podcast. But that has always that is my theory, just because I think that it would be cool if there was some um, some force of good that even Rumpel is you know unaware of, who's kind of been pulling the, the strings behind the scenes the entire time. I think that would mm. be cool. And then as far as the origins of the Dark One too, Amy, I think I've talked about this with you. You may have even been the one to bring it up. If if they were going with the with Yensid as the author of the book, then wouldn't it make sense that the original Dark One would be Chernabog from Night on Bald Mountain, which is also in Fantasia, the, the big scary guy with all you know the wings and he's got like yellow eyes and kind of looks like the devil a little bit. I just thought that mm-hmm. would be pretty cool if that was the original Dark One and he like you know made the dagger and then that's how that whole thing like progressed because it it connects Fantasia into it and it you know there's an ultimate evil guy, and yeah, anyways, that's just my idea. Um, no problem. Who, who knows really if they're going to go with it or not. I doubt that that's actually what's going to happen, but it's a fun idea. But <laughs> now you never know. Um, I, just, cause I just think that would be really nifty. But yeah, that's my idea. So I think that the fact that the status of the Dark One is an ever-changing thing and that we're still going to get into the origins of that, I think that, you know, it does open that possibility up. So... Um, We've got Angie in the room saying, um, in the chat room saying that she thinks the book came from the fairies and and that the book coming from Yensid would be really random. And it is kind of random, Angie. You're right. And I wrote that in my theory too. But um, mm-hmm. I just think that it would be a, a pretty fun thing. So we do want to hear from people as far as what they think about this. And we've got somebody who's on the line right now. So I'm going to bring them on and see what they think. Hi, you're on with the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Who's this? Hello? <laughs> Is anybody there? Hello? Hi, who's this? Hello? If you're calling, if you're calling from the number that ends in 0089, you are on with the Once Upon a Fan podcast. Are you there? What? Don't hear anything, so I'm not sure what's going on there. So we'll <laughs> see if anybody else wants to call in and share their theories. I heard a child speaking in the background, but uh, yeah. I'm not sure that the child is the one who placed the phone call. So just going to assume that they that they did not. Yeah, Lori Hancock saying it was the wrong number. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? So if you want to if you want to share your thoughts, if anybody in the chat room wants to get in on this conversation, feel free. Um, three four seven six seven seven one six five three. Um, so we're going to so we're going to go on to the next part of the interview that I thought was pretty interesting, which is um, they're talking about. Uh, let me see. 
they talked about going home. They talked about a lot in this interview. It was quite extensive. Um, talking about Emma and going home and, you know, and things of that nature. Okay, so the Wicked Witch. All right, let's get to the part of the talk about the Wicked Witch. Okay. So, uh-huh. first of all, Adam was sure to say that she is not the same Wicked Witch that has been in movies or on TV or anything before. Um, I don't know how to pronounce the Wicked Witch's name from Wicked because I've never seen it. My bad. It's actually but, um, her name, and that, that was one of the questions um, Diane asked because I've seen a lot of people are calling her Elphaba. Now, Elphaba is not her name in the books and in Wizard of Oz, but that is her name in the musical. And actually, a little trivia tidbit, the reason her name is Elphaba is because L. Frank Baum, the original writer of the Wizard of Oz books, if you put his initials out, LFB, it kind of sounds like Elphaba. That's how they got her name. But anyway, they were very quick Creative. to clarify that she is not Elphaba, that they are, she is the Wicked Witch from Oz, and they are pulling from, you know, the books and stories and things, but she is definitely not Elphaba from Wicked. So a lot of these, I think a lot of people got that idea, too, because a lot of the posters and things that are coming out and the hashtag says Wicked is coming but that really means, you know, the Wicked Witch is coming, not Wicked the Musical is coming. <laughs> I think that's where that idea came out. I'm sorry. I just I can't imagine, like, Emma and Hook breaking into song in the middle of, you know, New York <laughs> at this point. It's just, it's just not something I see yeah. happening. Perhaps Snow and Charming could do it because, you know, they already have that going for them being animated characters. But um, I, right. I, just, I don't see, you know, I would have a hard time imagining Emma singing somewhere over the rainbow. It could happen, but I think she might need a glass of wine first or maybe a few bottles. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, so yeah, they are saying that they did take inspiration from the book, but they have created their own, you know, version of the Wicked Witch. She has her own name. She has her own backstory. And that it, they're pretty much setting it up so that this second half of season is going to be Wicked versus Evil. So it's the Wicked Witch versus the Evil Queen. She's going to be Regina's prime nemesis. Um, yeah, which I'm stoked about mm. because in the preview that they've already shown for season three, um, we see that the Wicked Witch is wearing one of Regina's dresses, and actually she's wearing the dress from uh, Hat Trick, which we watched a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago. So um, I love the idea of just Regina getting in her face and being like, "Witch, give me my dress!" Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't think that she's going to take very kindly to the Wicked Witch raiding her closet. That's just me. I don't think so either, and I, I love that it's we're seeing them actually saying it is going to be evil versus wicked. It's going to be this, you know, face-off kind of thing. I'm I'm glad because I really want to see some good, you know, villain action going on. Not so much. I do love that the characters are layered, and I love that about Regina, but I really want to see someone who's just bad, you know, just wicked, and, you know, just has that about them, because I really want to see Regina get a chance to be powerful and just go at it against her. I want that, too. Um, I, I really want, I want a villain who's evil and loves it. Like, I really appreciate what they're doing as far as, you know, trying to show that, you know, people are evil for a reason, that evil isn't born, that it's made, and, you know, so forth, things like that. I appreciate that they're mm-hmm. trying to do that. But I want a villain who is, like, unapologetically evil. 
I want them to right. be evil and not feel bad about it whatsoever. And Regina kind of has that a little bit, but because of the whole thing mm-hmm. with Henry and trying to change and do the right thing, that's kind of softened now. I really want mm-hmm. Wicked to just be this badass witch who is, you know, who just doesn't take it. Right. Yeah, that's what I want to see. Because then yeah. it will, then in turn, will make Regina have to kind of rise to the occasion, and then she's going to let her mm-hmm. evilness out. And it's going to be all kinds of sass and clothes and, you know, just, yeah, all of it. So I'm, I'm all about yeah. the whole thing. I'm loving it right now. Loving the now, idea of Peter that. Pan and, was pretty, he was pretty evil straight up. And I liked that, you know. He was unapologetically just a punky little, oh, you know, Peter Pan had that going on. So, yeah, I'm definitely, and I think we kind of thought Jafar was going to be that, but now we've seen some of his backstory in Wonderland, so he even has, you know, motivation. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing some sassy, smart-alecky, really witchy things going on with this new character. I actually bought, I have a pair of red shoes, so before the the season starts again, um, I went out today and bought my glitter and my little stones and my glue, and I'm going to totally ruby slipperize my red shoes and have them ready for the second half premiere. So we're set for Oz in this house. We are so excited for it. Yeah, I'm uh, We're super I'm actually for, for – <laughs> no, that's not – well, no, that, you're not a dork. You just love your – you love what you love. You love your passions. So um, – yeah. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, too. And I, it's funny that we're going to Oz because for college, actually, um, I'm going to school for film production. And for one of my classes, one of my finals is to watch The Wizard of Oz and Labyrinth, those two movies, and compare and contrast wow. them. And if you think about it, like, Labyrinth is totally a twisted version of The Wizard of Oz. So I just mm-hmm. think that it's so funny that uh, that we're doing Oz, and now I have this assignment that was given to me. And, yeah, I think it's great. So. I can't wait. That Anyways, awesome. um, and, oh, and by the way, too, okay, so I was just speaking of that. I was watching The Wizard of Oz the other day, and I want to point this out on the podcast now because I've said it privately on the Once Upon a Fan staff pages, but I haven't said it in public yet. So get mm-hmm. this, everybody, right? Okay, so we already know from, oh, spoiler alert, you have a seven-second spoiler alert as I'm speaking to turn down your dial before I start talking again. Okay, your seven seconds <laughs> is now up. So in a previous magazine article, um, Adam and Eddie said they told somebody, and please forgive me for not remembering the source, but um, they told somebody that there is going to be a snowing baby that's going to factor into the second half of season three and that their new baby will be connected to Sleeping Beauty. Okay, so as far as the connection to Sleeping Beauty goes, I find that fascinating because of the fact that the sleeping curse affects Snow and Aurora, and now they're having babies, and they're con- yeah, they're connected. And Gareth Hughes, our editor, has actually come up with the theory that somehow the babies will have some kind of connection through a sleeping curse in some way. So it'll be interesting to see if that's how it plays out. But I just want to point out mm-hmm. one more thing. Okay, cool. So Okay, cool. Here we go. Okay. So they said also that Henry's family tree is going to grow by two more spots this year, right? Okay, so now his grandparents are having another child, so that's going to make Henry an uncle. He's going to be Uncle mm-hmm. Henry. It's like in The Wizard of Oz. It was an Uncle Henry. Okay. Yes, and then, right, okay, so in the movie, Aunt M, her name is actually Emily, but Henry's mm-hmm. mom's name is Emma, and you could totally shorten mm-hmm. that down to M. So we've got, like, Uncle yep. Henry and Sister and M. And Annie M. Totally got a Wizard yeah. yeah, okay, so there's totally a Wizard of Oz thing going on with that, too, just in their names. So, you know, I want to re- – and the reason why I bring that up is because in the interview – 
they actually mention that when um, Adam and Eddie mention that, you know, when they first started writing the show, Emma was a character who was looking, here it is, when Adam and I created Emma, she became a character who was looking for home, but since she never had one, she doesn't know what it is when she finds it. I think that the theme of going home is that happy endings aren't always what they expect them to be. So Emma is still looking for home, but in a lot of ways, all the characters are. Okay. Okay. That is totally like, I remember we Dorothy. talked about you on a previous <laughs> podcast. That's totally like a Dorothy Wizard of Oz thing. And, and so the two finales for not only once, but one land two, the finale for once upon a time in the winter was called going home. And then the one in Wonderland was called home. So we've got this right. whole, hey, there's no place like home theme going on, and now we've got Uncle Henry and M, and yeah, mm-hmm. I'm totally seeing all the connections there and loving it. Okay, so Love. let me see here. Yeah, right? Okay, so Lori is saying in the chat room, Lori Hancock in the chat room is saying that, sh- that you know, Emma would be Dorothy. Okay, so I don't necessarily think that this would happen, but it, I, the thought did occur to me. What if Charming and Snow have a baby, and it's a girl, and they name the baby Dorothy? Mm. That would saying. be interesting. Like, I really don't. Ex- I really don't expect it to play out that way, to be honest. But isn't it like kind of a fun idea to think that like Dorothy's parents are Snow White and Prince Charming? That would be hilarious. And I, it's, I don't think Emma is going to end up being Dorothy. I think it is though, sort of a clever, you know, nod that, that it happens to be, you know, an Uncle Henry and an M and it's going to wrap into this story. I don't think they're actually going to make her Dorothy, though. But I know we are. They already told us that we're going to meet other characters, because last week we talked about another casting call that's gone out um, for this whole Oz section. Um, I don't know if that's really a spoiler, because it's been all over the site and everything, the casting call that went out. Okay, everybody, you have a seven-second spoiler alert while we're talking here. You have seven (laughs) seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Amy, go. Okay. Anyway, uh, they have put out a casting call for Glenda the Good. So they are casting Glenda the Good Witch. So we are It's supposed to see some other characters from Oz They said that we will see Oz. They actually, in this interview, mentioned that we will see Oz, but not in the way that we saw Neverland, which kind of means to me like we're not going to go there and spend bukoodles of time. It's probably going to be more like flashes of we'll see things that have happened in Oz. But, yeah, I I still want to see some ruby slippers. I want to see all kinds of stuff. I love toying with the idea that, of, of the whole heart idea of, of, you know, the Tin Man not having a heart and the whole heart ripping out thing kind of being Regina and her mother's thing. So I would really like to see that kind of be a nice little twist that gets tossed in there. I think that would be really great, especially since we know that, you know, Barbara Hershey and Rose McGowan are reprising their roles as Cora, Queen of Hearts, over happening and... I just think it could be Wouldn't it be so awesome if Cora was the one who ripped out the Tin Man's heart to begin with, and then they got to, like, go find it or whatever? Like, if there was right. some way they could mix all things together, because, okay, okay, right, okay, let's just get to this. Okay, let's get to this. Okay. So there is, like, this prevailing theory that the Wicked Witch is going to end up being Rumpelstiltskin's daughter. Uh. I, do you hear the sigh here? That's how I feel about this. Like, I, <laughs> that I'm not, does not I'm like not this in, theory. 
<laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. And here's why, okay? Here's why. I just feel like it would cheapen Rumpelstiltskin and his relationship with Bay and Neil. And, like, I think – I just feel like it would make that whole thing not as important for some mm-hmm. reason. Like, I mean, I don't – because it's almost like if, if Rumpel could, like, get over his child being missing and create another one – that totally takes away from the weight of, yeah, I'm going to cast a curse to go find my kid and ruin all these people's well, lives. It just, it, 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 to me, at least, that's what it does, in my opinion. This is what I think, though. I think if that theory ends up being true and that Wicked Witch is Rumpel's daughter, I don't think Ugh. he knows about her. I think, and this is just a wild out there theory, I have no idea, so don't take this as a spoiler, don't send me hate emails, because I'm just just throwing this out there as an idea. If it turns out that she is Rumpel's daughter, one, I don't think that he knows. I think she's Cora's child, and that the reason her skin is green is because, I mean, Rumpel as the dark one is kind of a half and half. He's like human, and he's this dark being, and, you know, he's got that green, tinty, funky skin. So if they go all soap opera and really want to stretch it, I can see where they can say that Rumpel was Cora, or Rumpel and Cora, they broke up. Cora was pregnant. She had Wicked Witch and Regina, but of course she can't raise a green baby to be queen, so she exiled that one and just raised Regina. So if that's how it plays out, which I have no idea, somebody give me a writing contract. Because <laughs> I'm just like speaking out loud, rambling. I have no idea, but yeah, I can just, you know, see it getting a little soap opera and going all twins and, you know, green and... Oh, good God. <laughs> yeah, no. fan uh, fiction. God. Good God, no, like, I'm yeah. sorry. No, I can't, I can't <laughs> handle it. I can't handle it. That is so, like, once of our lives. Like, the young and the onceless or something. Like, I don't <laughs> even know what to say about one. that, honestly. Like, yes, I, I, I can't handle... Uh, a thing of yeah, we broke up and I was pregnant and my child was ugly, so I got rid of her. Like I, I to- it totally makes sense what you're saying, but oh my god, I would hate it so bad. I really would. Mm. I would. I just. I wouldn't. I don't want that to happen at all. But I, I definitely just, don't think Rumpel knows because of all this time he's spent trying to get back to Bay to Neil. If it turns out that he does have another child or children. I definitely do not think that he would have any inclination about it. And Cora, obviously, I mean, by the time she had the baby, she had already ripped out her own heart. So if that's the way they go with it, she obviously wouldn't have had, you know, any desire to let him know. <laughs> I, I can't handle it. I know. I just so many theories I, I flying just can't. Around. I'm sorry. I can't. Like... <laughs> Because I, I, I'm seeing what they're saying in the, in the chat room, and Teresa is saying, you know, calling it as the world's turn, which, yes, that's hilarious. And then Angie mm-hmm. is saying that in Wicked, it was a green elixir, and somebody else mentioned that she's green because of Cora's book. That was my first thought, was that she found Cora's book and tried to do one of the spells and totally messed it up, and that's why she was green. Because in season two, mm-hmm. and we are both, when Regina goes to Rumpel to get Cora's book back from him, she says that she doesn't care if one of the spells turn her green. 
So I'm just, I mm-hmm. think that if that would be perfect if that was the reason why. Like, can we have it end up being a thing where, like, like can Wicked be Cora's sister, maybe? Like, I would be more okay with that, I think. Like, I don't know. Beth Snatter looks a lot younger than Barbara Hershey. Not to say that there isn't a spell for, you know, a Botox spell or something that kept her young, maybe. Who knows? There's so many ways well, okay. we could go with this story. <laughs> All I, all, I, all I know is this, okay, here's what I know for sure, okay. If Cora had, like, if, if Wicked is, like, her daughter and she hid her from Rumple and all of that crap happened, then, you know, plug your ears, then Cora is just a bitch. I'm sorry. She just is. Like, it's, she, she goes from witch to bitch in that moment. I'm sorry. She does. She gets an upgrade or a downgrade, however you want to look at it. Like, Cora is already just a terrible human being. So if, if that was the mm-hmm. case, it's just, I mean, no, I'm sorry. Can't handle it. Just can't handle it. Okay, so we have Gab now for about half an hour. We've only got an hour left of the show, so we do have to get to the actual, like, episode discussion you know, that we've all gathered here today for. So um, let's go ahead and jump into that because there, I have a lot of notes on this episode. In fact, I didn't even really finish um, making all of them because I had so many. So, um, Okay, wait, in the chat room, Peter said, could be Cora's daughter from before she, re- she met Rumpel, too. Oh, yeah, that's, Peter, yeah, I mean, it could be. It could, I just don't want it to be anything where anything soap opera-y at all. Like, any kind of idea, like, that's almost like, you know, like when the two soap opera characters get married, like, there's this long struggle, struggle, and then the people get married, and then they find out that their marriage isn't valid because one of them was married back in the day, and they never got a divorce because their wife dropped off a cliff, and they were presumed dead, and they never found them again, and blah, 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 blah. Like, I just can't handle all that. Right now. I'm sorry. It's just, too, it's just too much. I just can't do it. Okay. So let's get into the episode discussion of Tallahassee, because I'm very anxious to pack my bags and get it going there. So mm-hmm. the episode opens. Um, we, um, you know, the ladies of the Enchanted Forest, uh, Snow, Emma, Aurora, and Milan, have all, um, you know, they are they've freed Hook. They found him, and now they're at the Beanstalk, and they're about to go up on the Beanstalk. Okay. So, all right. Here's what I love the most, okay? When it first starts out, right, and um, they're talking about the beanstalk itself, and Mulan says, reminds me of death, and the snow is, like, encouraging. Like, <laughs> just a small, small moment of humor. I like it. And then later on yeah. when Emma is talking about, you know, the story as she knows it, and she's talking about, you know, she said, you know, and there's and something about a golden goose or a harp, which is totally playing into Mickey and the Beanstalk because in the animated version that Disney did with Mickey and the Beanstalk, when Mickey and Donald and Goofy go up there, they find the golden harp who can sing. And then that's what that reference was for, which I love that. So, yeah, little references here and there. And then another line that Emma says right at the beginning, too, is she's like, so evil giants who made magic portal beans. (sighs) Sometimes I tell you, like, the way that she talks – it cracks me up. Like, who made magic portal beans, you know, and then got in their magical <laughs> rowboat and sailed off the edge of the earth. Like, she just has such a sarcastic tone. It cracks me up every time. Yeah, I think she's still kind of dumbstruck by everything that's happening and by, you know, constantly. It's almost like in every minute she's re-reminded that, oh, my God, this is real. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah, like, it's not enough that she slayed a dragon and, like, you know, saw a wraith and fell through a portal and, you know, all of the other things. But now mm-hmm. there are evil giants who make magic portal beans. It's just, yeah, it just right. it cracks me up. Okay. 
And then another thing that happens to right at the beginning is like when Hook, he kind of hits on Snow a little bit, like he winks at her. And like when I was doing mm. the rewatch, I was thinking of the animated versions. And I was like, God, that's kind of creepy, Captain Hook hitting on Snow White. Like it's, it's kind of, eh. Smarmy. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you, you smarmy old dog. Like, oh man, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, I have to mention this really quick from the chat room because people are still talking about the Wicked Witch in there. Teresa Martin, who is our one of our uh, our Origins writers and our beta editor for Once Upon a Fan, she said, maybe the Wicked Witch is Belle's daughter and Gaston is the father. Okay, that's totally a joke, everybody. But I just got to say, <laughs> that's pretty hilarious. Like, is, if that's yeah. going to be the whole soap opera drama, like, that's a pretty good one, Teresa. I like it. Why that would not be hilarious. It? Okay. <laughs> okay, so, anyways, back to Tallahassee. So, at the beginning, too, okay, so Hook is, like, he's wanting the women to fight over the cuff, right? He puts the cuff on, and then he's got the second one, and he's like, you know, go ahead, fight. Don't be afraid to really get into it. Mm. Hook, you perv. Like, <laughs> you, like, <laughs> I mean, not really, but, like, dude, like, really, sir, kind sir. He, you know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of Captain Kirk from the Star Trek, like the new Star Trek movie, like where every time he's walking around doing something and he sees a woman, he like turns and looks her way. Hey, That's Jim what Kirk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like yes, yes. Ca- Captain Herc, so to speak. Would that be the Would that be the combination there, Captain Herc? There you so. go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Love it. So yeah, but Hook, like his whole thing, like, and this is where, okay, this is why I brought up, you know, Captain Spawn earlier because this is where that relationship kind of first started to, you know, be a possibility and he's hitting on Emma and all these things. And that's where, you know, the ship was forged, so to speak. Okay. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping, do we really want to get into the death thing right now? Okay. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. Oh my God. We got to back the train up again, Amy. Okay. So in the interview, Mm -hmm. yeah, they, they had to, (laughs) yeah, they said that somebody is going to die and it's going to stick just like, you know, it did with, you know, when they killed Graham, the huntsman, and then here's right. what I found interesting, right? Later on in the interview, after they said that, they mentioned that Hook isn't going anywhere. Now, I don't know if that was like a Freudian slip, and they said that because Hook is not the one who's going to die, or if they said that as like a red herring kind of thing, trying to throw everybody off the trail of who's going to die, and then it does end up being Hook and you know all that stuff. So, Yeah. I don't know, because the way that that whole section of the interview, I mean, they're talking about how characters can grow and that even, you know, there was, they mentioned Graham and how even we got to see more of his character after he was dead and even his character grew some. Um, right now, it seems like among the Oneser community, the big consensus is that it's either Hook or Neil that's going to die, and that and everybody's really divided. Like I said last week, I really don't know, and I'm sure I'll be kind of devastated about, you know, whoever dies. I think it'll be I'll be completely devastated about it. But I mean, they said it wasn't anything that they're taking lightly. It wasn't something they just threw in for the story. It's just you know, in writing, this is where this character's you know, where it's going for this character. And they didn't specify, they didn't give us any more information. But um, I will say that 
even though Zach just mentioned that this is the episode where the Swan, uh, Swan Captain Swan ship started, this is the episode I really, really like Neil in this episode, mm-hmm. even though he kind of screwed Emma over in the end, but he thought he was doing the right thing. I really like Michael Raymond James in this episode. I probably like him most in this episode yep. out of just about any of the other times he's played Neil. So I've, yeah. I'm still Swanfire, and I, I mean, I do. I love Hook. I think that man is super hot. I still am Swanfire, and y'all can leave Hook for me. So, you know, send <laughs> Hook over my way. And Emma can have uh, have Neil, and then we're all happy and yay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, and this is why I love you. Okay, so um, I I agree. This is also the episode where Swanfire really started for me, and uh, that's actually in my notes too. So we might as well just get into that. So when we see the flashback, right, the very first flashback. If you've been listening mm-hmm. to the podcast or if you've been reading any of my series online, then you know that I've, uh, I'm kind of doing an analysis on color on the show and how they use it and what it means. And so in that very first flashback, when we see Emma stealing the bug, her skirt is black, white, and red. Okay? Now, mm-hmm. not only, now, not only are those Regina's colors, which, I mean, you know, we kind of all know that. I mean, if you think of her office as the mayor's office, for example, it's black and white except for the red apples. Okay. Um, black, white, and red are also Snow White's colors. And I know that when I say mm-hmm. that, some people get confused because they commonly think of the animated Snow White with the, you know, the red, blue, and uh, the yellow. The blue and all that. But actually, stuff, yeah. right. But the red, black, and white, those are actually Snow White's colors because she's got lips that are, you know, red is the blood that her red mom burns mm-hmm. her finger. Right. She's got <laughs> hair black as night, and she, she's got skin white as snow. So those are Snow White's mm-hmm. actual colors. So I love the fact that she's wearing that skirt, but it also, those are, you know, Emma's colors too. And they pop up not only mm-hmm. later on in this episode, but also in Manhattan too, which is uh, going to be our rewatch episode in two weeks. So right. Just, you and know, you know, this right dress now. that she's wearing, the it, when they uh, go into the little shop and are shoplifting, the dress that Emma's wearing, Snow wears that exact same dress in a different episode. She has a different sweater on with it, but it's the identical dress. And I'll have to look it up because I don't remember which episode it is. But I remember seeing it and yeah. thinking, oh, that's Snow's dress. Yeah, please do, because I hadn't noticed that before, and I find that fascinating. So, yeah, please, please look that up for me. Um, so I just want to say, yeah, so Emma, when she steals the bug, okay, and Neil is in it, first of all, Neil pops up from the back seat just like Henry <laughs> does in The Price of Gold. Just like, like the exact same yeah. way, he pops so right out and surprises her. Okay, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I love it. Like I, I love that it's something that like Henry has part of his dad's character traits too. I love how they add little things like that into the show as flashbacks. I just think it's genius. So then after mm-hmm. that, right, we go back to the Enchanted Forest and we've got Snow White, Aurora, and Mulan arguing over who's going to climb up the beanstalk. And I remember the first time when I was watching this episode, the first time I thought, wow, the three of the Disney princesses are having an argument. And I, I'm actually watching it unfold. This is, and it's about climbing, like you know, the beanstalk. Like this is fascinating. Like this, like what, a, what an interesting yeah. little scene to watch. I just thought it was so cool. As a Disney fan, I was just like, I was just tickled by it. it made me laugh. Um, so then, of course, you know, uh, Emma is the one who ends up going up the beanstalk. But then, 
Mulan, okay, she's got the powder made from the poppies, and it's like the strongest sleeping powder in all the land. And poppies mm. are a very obvious Oz reference, especially for the movie. Thing, so, yeah. Yep, so that one, you know, this episode, again, is playing right into, you know, things that are still ongoing. And even with, you know, Swanfire and Captain Swan, you know, those two ships, you know, that which is probably going to culminate in, you know, this season at some point, those, all, those things also have to do with what's happening now. So these are a couple of the reasons why, you know, we picked this episode. Um, mm-hmm. Also, you know, for other reasons. But, yeah, so then right after that, Hook says, you know, that they have to go TikTok because time is ticking and, you know, I love that because, you know, Hook's saying TikTok. I mean, come on. TikTok, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so then, it, you know, it, it, and then it shows, you know, that, that nice, you know, um, tilting shot of the of the beanstalk, and then it shows, like, it goes to black, and then when it comes back, it's, like, thousands of feet up in the air, and Emma and Hook are up there, and, you know, they're climbing. Okay, can I just say this? Okay, can I just? I know <laughs> that they have, magic, like, magic cuts that make it safe for them to do that, but for mm-hmm. me personally, there is, uh, there is no way in any of the lands that I would be climbing up the beanstalk like that. Like, I'm sorry, no. Like, when they show those, those shots where it's like you no can harness. see how far they are, like how, yeah, how like, far below them the land is, you have got to be right. out of your swan-picking mind if you think that I'm going to be walking up that beanstalk. I don't, give, I, no, I don't think so. I'm not going to give two bosses of hearts about any of that. There's just no way. I couldn't handle it. Indeed. It made my palm sweat just watching it. Like, oh, my God. Mhm. It's true. That was I I I'm still a little confused as how the cuff works. Does it just keep you from falling? Does it help you have a good grip? I mean, do you still have to have some kind of muscular stamina? I don't even think the cuff would work on me. I have no upper body strength at all. So I'm just wondering maybe it's how like they gamma work. radiation and Spider Man and like the Hulk. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's like maybe it's like got Asgardian powers in it, and you become like Thor, and you can just Thor your way up the you know the beanstalk. I mean, we've seen mm. Thor's hammer already on Once Upon a Time. Ruffles got it stashed in his closet, so you know it's mm-hmm. possible there could be some Asgard magic going on. You never know. Disney owns that too. So hey, all right. So um, yeah, right. Okay, so then also. Uh, Hook mentions the lost look in Emma's eyes, right? Talking about how she's lost and an orphan, and he's seen that same look in her eyes and the lost boy's eyes. That plays directly into season three, especially in Lost Girl, because when Emma is about to kill or do whatever to the lost boy, she doesn't, and mm-hmm. then later on she explains why, and it's because he, the kid had the same look in her eyes that she used to have. And Hook mentions that very look in this episode. So, again, stuff in season three yeah. is totally playing on what happened in season two. And I really liked that moment, too. I thought it was a good character. You know, it was a nice connection for the two of them to share, but it also told us a little bit of something about Emma, too. Yeah, I like that they tied that into something that was coming into the future. You know, we didn't see that Emma was, you know, quote, unquote, a lost girl and, you know, that she actually had these really, really deep feelings and that we knew he was pretty right, but we didn't realize he was dead on right until, you know, the next season came around. Yeah, and it's, it is – I really like that little, that little touch. It's great. And also just want to say really quick to Hulk – or. Peter in the chat room is saying that the Hulk will be the Wicked Witch's father. So, you know, there you go. That explains it all, yeah. right? Like, like the Avengers, right? Like, oh, so that's what happened, okay? So those things from the Avengers, right? They opened up a portal, and the Avengers tried to stop them. And then what happened was 
they fell into the portal into the enchanted forest, and then that's when stuff got crazy. Okay, see, we just solved the mystery. We just wrote the whole show. Are you happy, everybody? There we you just go. told you exactly what's going to happen. Ta-da. Okay, so then, um, so I just want to point out, too, in the flashback, okay, because the very next scene in the flashback is when they go to the store and they're shoplifting. Here's a couple mm-hmm. of important things to point out. First of all, Neil is wearing a red leather jacket. Mm-hmm. It's not the same color. It's not as bright. But Neil is wearing a red leather jacket. So I just mm-hmm. want to point that out, that, you know, later on, Emma ends up wearing a nice red leather jacket. It's brighter because instead of breaking the law like Neil is, right, and that's why his is darker, okay, Emma is a bail mm-hmm. bond person trying to track down criminals. And, you know, and I've mentioned once before, too, she's a bail bond person, which is like bail fire, and she's bonded to him because of their kid. So it's, you know. Totally wise. Right, right, play on work. Okay, right, 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 exactly. And I just sent you the two pictures, by the way, on Facebook message. One is from Snow Falls. That's where Snow White wears it in Storybrooke, Mary Margaret. And then the picture of Emma wearing it from Tallahassee. Yes, I see. Thank you. Different jacket, same dress. Oh, yeah, same dress, totally. I don't know how to post pictures on this thing. In the I chat room, I don't know how to vote. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So then the other thing that I want to point out about this scene, too, really quick, is that Neil is the one who takes the swan necklace for Emma and gives it to her. Mm-hmm. Right? And, of course, originally it's just a keychain. A keychain, okay? Key, like she's the key to breaking the curse, right? And here you go, just swan mm-hmm. necklace, right? Okay, just saying. Okay, so there's just that little <laughs> thing there, too, because that, that comes up later on in Manhattan when, the, you know, they're at the scene in the bar. So we're watching that in two weeks, so it's important to point it out now. And so then we've also got some Apollo bars that make their, their appearance in the scene. And if you don't know what an Apollo yeah. bar is, then um, I'll, you should watch Lost. But it's also from the show Lost, and that's one of the candy bars that are featured on the show is Apollo bars. So, you know, Lost and Once Upon a Time are in the same world, as well as Tron because we know that to be the case, right? Okay, cool. So, um, mm-hmm. okay, also, okay, also, right, okay. Um, Emma has a red purse in that scene, too, which mm-hmm. I, I found that to be very interesting because, you know, like they're taking charge of their destiny, you know, they're doing whatever they want to do. They're the ones who are in control because they got away with it, and the very thing that they used to get away with it is red. Isn't that funny? So, yeah, just like yes. Now, um the very next thing that we see, too, is when they go, they pull over to the hotel and they break into the hotel room really quick, right? The hotel on the outside is green. And if you watch Manhattan in a couple of weeks, then you'll see that the hallways of Neil's apartment building are also green. And another important, mm. important thing out, too, is that when they're in the room and Emma takes the Dreamcatcher down, later in Manhattan, the Dreamcatcher has got green beads on it. So I'm going to make sure that I That's point that out again in two huh. weeks when we're doing that, okay? But there is mm-hmm. – j- hashtag, just saying. And then so also, too, the whole thing with green totally relates to, like, Neverland, I feel, and Neil's time there as, like, a lost boy. That's just my interpretation. Yeah. I don't know. I may be wrong. Well, Emma but even anyway. mentions Neverland. In the, when they're in yeah, this hotel room and they start talking about, you know, making a future and are they really going to do this, she says, oh, where are we going to do that, Neverland? And – Neil, you know, he's looking at this dream catcher and he seems really, you know, interested in the fact that it's supposed to stop nightmares, which, you know, we know he's having since coming off the island. But, yeah, that that was another little, you know, hint of what was to come. 
Yeah, and that even comes up later on in Manhattan with his conversation with Rumpel. So, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, as far as nightmares and things that he sees before he goes to sleep and all that stuff, okay? And I'm really yep. glad that you brought up Emma's saying the whole Neverland thing because that was actually my very next note, so yay. So then um, another thing that I noticed, too, is when we went back to um, to the Enchanted Forest and, you know, the three women are sitting there waiting for Emma to come back down, um, Mulan has a red cape on, right? Like her outfit is very kind of red oriented if you will it's got a lot of red accents and so forth and things like that she's got a very strong powerful personality that mulan don't you think so you know yeah. it totally goes yeah it totally goes with you know the whole thing about red being power and you know all these other things so just wanted to point that out really quick too um so the next thing too is aurora and snow and the sleeping curse and the side effects of that it does relate to the upcoming season three that's why i mentioned it earlier in the podcast is because Mm-hmm. Perhaps the sleeping curse is how these two babies are going to be connected. But in either case, like, isn't it kind of cool? Like, and I never really thought about it before either, but that the two of them were under the same, like, sleeping curse. And so, like, they have a subject that they can relate on. I just thought that was really right. cool how they did that. Yeah, and Snow had kind of found already a way to deal with it, thanks to Charming. She mentioned, you know, he would light a candle and say it would capture the nightmares and Aurora still she was like freshly you know woken up she doesn't have a way to deal with it yet so Snow was kind of looking out for her but I definitely think what you mentioned is what's going to happen that's how their two babies are going to have a connection maybe when they sleep you know the babies will as they get older you know be able to communicate with each other as they're sleeping or something I think that sleeping curse is the whole key to that yeah, that's that what wouldn't I that think. be a creepy? Think... Oh man, if they were to talk to each other psychically, that's bringing that's bringing a whole new level of stuff to the show because wow, and like or mm. like yeah, remember that the creepy burning red room? Like, is that going to come back? Like, oh, that mm. that because that was really I hope not. Really not, not for those poor babies. That would be yeah. Well, not, not for the babies. I mean, I was thinking about Snow and Aurora. My God, if they brought the babies in there, I think I might have to write a letter to somebody about that because I think that might be. A little... <laughs> no, right. Okay, so, so I mean, not, well, yeah, actually, it would be okay. So then, the very next thing that we see, right, is when they're like they're up to we're back up the beanstalk and we're in, you know seeing Hook and Emma and they're having their conversation. Okay, and so Emma's got her cut on her hand and then Hook uses rum to clean it. Right now. Is, mm-hmm. Now, to answer Jack Sparrow's question, is that why the rum is always gone? Because they're using it to clean their wounds? Like, that was my first thought. I was like, oh, well, that's why the rum is always gone, Jack, because you have to use it whenever you guys cut yourself on the ship. So I think they're just drinking it all up. I think he, he Hook was willing to spare it here <laughs> because he was like, hey, this will be incredibly sexy. I think I'll, you know, clean her wound and then tie the tourniquet with my teeth, for God's sake. Hello. Yeah, yum. He was pretty attractive. (laughs) Teresa's like, ooh, scurvy. Yeah. He was pretty hot. Contain yourself, woman. Contain yourself. Okay. I'm crying. I know, I know, I know. I already got in trouble once. In our very first podcast, I mentioned that Hook was hot. And my husband listened back to it. He's like, so for like a week, he's like, who's hot? What? (laughs) Who is this that's hot? So, yeah. Hopefully he won't go back and re-listen to this one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least Oh, I, I okay. I'm not. I'm not even gonna go there because I know you. I know you too well personally. Okay. So, um, so the next <laughs> thing too. All right. When, when we see the flashback again, right? 
And Emma and Neil are talking about the watches and how she's going to go steal the watches for him so that he can get mm-hmm. away with stealing the watches, right? They're having that whole conversation. Okay. Her clothes. Pay attention to her clothes. Because they are black and white horizontal stripes. And at first mm-hmm. I didn't really think anything of it, but then I thought to myself, wow, it's almost like, you know, the bars on a jail cell. A prison, and Emma yeah. Is about, a jail thing. And Emma is about to go to jail for what she's about to do wearing those exact clothes. So isn't that funny? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm also pointing out her clothes because I am going to bring it, this outfit up again in two weeks when we rewatch Manhattan because, uh, well, it comes up again in that episode too, like almost the exact same shirt. So anyways, um, just wanted to point that out. And also too, right, too, okay, cool. She has a bright red lipstick on. So we've got the three colors coming back into play again for Emma Swan, Okay. All right, just pointing it out. Mm-hmm. And also, too, in that scene, right, Neil has on his red leather jacket, or excuse me, yeah, he has on the red jacket, and he has a red T-shirt on, too. But in between those two things, that other layer is a green hoodie. Green. Seems to be Neil's mm-hmm. thing. Okay, a nice green hoodie there. And then after that, right, so then we get, you know, Snow is mothering Aurora, you know, after her dream, and she's like, do you want to talk about it? Okay, that was, that was totally like Snow being the mom. Right? Like, that was, mm-hmm. I, mean, I just pictured, like, if she was a little girl, like, if Aurora had been a little girl, that's right. probably how, that's probably how Emma, you know, how she would have responded to Aurora as a little girl, or to Emma when she was a baby. So, that was what I got out of that. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, poor Snow, she missed her, you know, her chance with Emma being young. I think she does have this really strong mothering thing. And even, like, in the you know, the original Disney movie and everything, she was kind of the mother figure to the dwarves. I know here in Once, they're kind of more a team, but she still, you know, mothers them and takes care of them. So, yeah. Exactly. I just like that. Okay, so then we get the scene of Emma stealing the watches, right? And for anybody who's Mm -hmm. interested, just want to let you know that that room that she walks through that has, you know, like when she's first walking through the train station is the... Uh, Vancouver train station downtown and just I mean I know that because um, I took an Amtrak train up to Vancouver once uh, last year and Mm -hmm. I I walked through that very room and when I was in there it was like oh my gosh I know where I am like I know where this is from so I thought thought that was yeah it's pretty neat so if anybody is interested if you're one of the oncers who makes the trek up to Steveston in British Columbia to see where they film the show and you kind of want to see another location there's one for you so just want to point that out. And bring me a postcard. Right. Yeah, and bring, bring, bring a postcard. So then um, after – Or a cup. Yes, as long as it's shipped. So um, so Emma goes and she steals the, you know, she steals the watches. And then, you know, we see, you know, the giant, you know – oh, anyways. So then after she steals the watches, right, they're in the car and Neil puts one on her. And that and and that's the, that's the action that actually kind of dooms Emma, really, because if she hadn't had the watch on – you know, later on. Right, there would have been no evidence. Exactly. She she would have gotten away with it. So it was that that one action that kind of, you know, propelled everything else into the rest of play, you know, into play. And then, of mm-hmm. course, then we get the scene where we see, you know, that August and Neil have met before. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So, um, you know, he's got, you know, the typewriter and, you know, August is explaining, you know, that, you know, that, 
you, do you believe in magic? And I've got a story to tell you, and when I'm done, you're going to believe every word I say and all these other things, right? And so then there's that moment where he opens the box and Neil looks in, and then we don't see what's in the box. Okay. I've Now, we know what's in the box now. And, it, you know, since Manhattan is the episode where it's revealed, I'll talk about that in two weeks. But when I was first watching this episode the first time, my immediate thought was that what was in the box was the drawing of Rumpelstiltskin's dagger from season one. Because he had that drawing in his hotel room, and we saw it when Rumpel went in and was, like, trying to figure out who he was. So that's what I thought it was going to end up being was the drawing of the dagger, and that, that was how, you know, Neil was going to know that August was legit. I don't know about you, Amy. What do you think? Amy, are you still there? Did I lose you? Yeah, I did lose Amy. Sorry, everybody. Hold on just one second. We're going to get her back as soon as I can. Hold on here. Hello? Amy, Amy, my love, are you back? Yes, I'm here. Okay, cool. So what do you, what do you think about the whole, you know, the mystery of what's in the box? Well, when I first saw it, I thought it was going to be something magical in the box. I didn't think it was, you know, just one line on a piece of paper. I thought it was going to be like, you know, he had Tinkerbell stuck in there or something. I didn't think it was going to be what it turned out to be. Yeah, I actually, I re- that's the funny thing. I remember when you actually said that back when this episode was new. I remember, I remember having that conversation. Right. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was going to be the drawing of the dagger. That's what I was saying earlier um, when we lost you. Um, mm-hmm. That it was going to be the you know the drawing of Rumpel's dagger that August already had because we already saw it the previous mm-hmm. season. So that's what I thought it was mm-hmm. going to end up being. I didn't think it was just going to be one line of dialogue either. So I thought that was kind of weird. But yeah, um, let me see here. So what's my next note? So then after that, okay, is when we see Emma actually get arrested. Now, here's an important thing to note about this scene, right? When Emma puts her hands up because she's being arrested, the watch slides down her wrist, Mm -hmm. and it shows off her flower tattoo. And this is a detail that I've seen before, you know, pointed out um, on different fan sites and things, and like, you know, Tumblr or Mm -hmm. Pinterest or whatever, but I've never heard anybody really talk about it. So that tattoo of the flower that's on Emma's wrist, it matches the flowers that are on the shield or the crest, so to speak, of Charming and Snow's castle. Right. The one that they take yeah, from King George. Yeah, the same flower thing, right, from, uh, yeah, from their coat of arms. Mm. Exactly, right, from the coat of arms. So, okay. isn't it, so isn't it interesting that, like, the watch slid and then you see that tattoo, which connects to that, like, the moment when she gets arrested and Neil, you know, making the choice to have that happen so that she could fulfill her destiny and, you know, save everybody, right, break the curse and all that stuff? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like the metaphor here is like it's time. Like, t- like the watch is sliding down to, so, and it's been covering it up, and then you see the tattoo, and it's time. Like it's time for her to assume her destiny and rock the princess thing. And I mean, that's so, you know, that's another little example yeah, of how they were Yeah, I thought that was an you know. awesome little detail. So, and then yeah. you know, they didn't even make a big deal out of it, but it kind of is a huge deal. And, you know, it was just this really subtle little thing. I loved that. Yeah. Just I, one little, I love symbolism and stuff like that. And so when I, when I was mm-hmm. watching it, I mean, I thought that the first time too. And I actually, um, I, uh, I talked to Jane Espenson about it, um, I can't remember if it was on Comic-Con last year or if it was on Twitter. 
Sorry. But I did ask her about it once that, that I loved the fact that that was the case. And she was, you know, she, she was just happy that somebody had noticed and pointed out. But, um, but yeah, so then after that, right after Emma gets arrested, then we see the scene where August and Neil are talking, like, kind of by on the water, like you can see the coastline of Vancouver. It really does look right. like that, by the way, in the summertime. Um, I've, I've been there before and I've seen it and that's exactly what it looks like. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been to, I think. And I've been, you know, mm-hmm. kind of been up and down the country a little bit. So I really enjoy it. Um, but anyways, that's another thing. If you want to go, you know, to a filming location, you're looking for Vancouver. So yeah, good stuff. Anyways. Um, and that's when, you know, Neil gives August money and the keys to the car which is important because only one of those items ends up actually making its way to Emma like it's supposed to. Um, yes, and August which is, which is, is a the, very naughty Pinocchio and takes that money and goes to Phuket. <laughs> Bad. Yeah, Bad where he, yeah, you know, where he where he where he lives merrily um, until you know Emma goes to Storybrooke and his leg turns into wood, like you know, mm-hmm. poor guy. So yeah. Um, and then after that is when Emma, you know, she, you know, she's being held by the giant at this point, right? Because it's back in, you know, the land of the giants, the giant has woken up and come in on the two of them in the treasure room after they knocked him out with sleeping powder and, you know, all that good stuff. Okay, cool. So mm-hmm. um, Emma bites his hand and he drops her and, you know, she drops the cage on him and, you know, takes the bean. You know, they have a conversation. She proves she's not a bad person. He escapes from the cage and then you know, she negotiates the 10-hour deal with him, and then she, you know, locks Hook up in the cuff, and then, which I thought that was so interesting when he let, he was, like, really upset that, you know, she was, like, itching him, like, right, because like, I was kind of, because right. I, I wasn't, because, you know, it's, he obviously does care about her, and at this point, since there hadn't been very much between that, I just had really thought that he was just in it to, you know, like, only for his own means and that he didn't actually care about Emma at all. But now that all this yeah. other stuff is happening, it's kind of like, you know, watching it now, I'm like, oh, well, he actually, I guess he did kind of have a thing for her right from the beginning, didn't he? Um, right. He but at just, the time you know, when this just... episode was out, we really didn't know if, one, he was really doing all this just to get, you know, that for Cora. We didn't know if he was doing it for himself. So really, I mean, at the time when we were watching this, we didn't know. And right before that, when she cuffed him, I love that that we got a whole different twist on the giant and the beanstalk story, that it turns out that the giants really were. And we see more of it later in the tiny episode that you can tell mm-hmm. from George Garcia's, you know, from the conversation between them two, the two of them, that what you think you know and what they think they know is not the truth of what happened. And this poor guy, this poor giant, who he's the last of his family. I mean, he's almost, you know, kind of like Emma was. He's he's another lost boy. He has no one. He's all alone until. You know, point. we see later on at the end of Tiny, so so cute. I That's a really that. good point. I'm <laughs> glad that you pointed that out. I hadn't actually thought about Anton like that before, but it's it's the case. Mm. Because even, like, when we're watching Tiny, even in that episode, like, all the other giants kind of, you know, they talk down to him. They treat him like crap. So, right. you know, even then, right. he was kind of always looking for, like, acceptance and somebody to and like home. him for who he was. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then he gets, like, adopted by the seven dwarves, which I think is hilarious, the juxtaposition between a giant being adopted by the dwarves. By but the it just dwarves, goes to yeah. Show. I always, and, yeah. And, and his name is Tiny, for crying out loud. Like, really? Yes. Okay. Like, I can it's go with so it. so cute. Does it ever and make it you nervous? So, like, do you ever like... think they would kill one of the dwarves, like, and have him be one of the seven dwarves, like, like what they did to, to Stealthy? Do you think that they would to do that stealthy? with one of the other ones? No. Well, do you think they would kill one of the so. other dwarves? No? I think poor Anton has been through enough and that that kind of finding them and finding a home and acceptance. And I think that just really showed that, you know, there's all kinds of families and you don't always have to be exactly the same or exactly what the quote unquote norm is that like happy endings mm-hmm. and happiness is for everybody. And I thought it was so sweet that they're, you know, completely opposite, a giant and the dwarves. And, yes, he did get shrunk down. He was tiniest. But, you know, they they came together and made a real family. You know, I love that. So I thought it was adorable. Dude, okay. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that we're talking about the dwarves. Okay, so I just got to step back into, back into Oz for a second now, okay? Okay, cool. So when I was watching The Wizard of Oz the other day, you know what I noticed mm-hmm. is that there's a scene there's a scene in Munchkinland where the Munchkins are like running through the town and like Munchkins hatch from eggs in a nest in that yes, movie. Yes, they do. And my very mm-hmm. my very first thought was, oh, that's just like the dwarves on Once Upon a Time. I wonder if mm-hmm. it's like I wonder if they're related. Like I wonder if the Munchkins and the dwarves are related or if they're like the same people. Like, oh, and that'd that be, be fabulous. Yeah, that would be crazy. Let, like, yeah, because wouldn't it be cool if, like, Grumpy was the one who was pronouncing that the Wicked Witch is dead? Like, <laughs> yeah, they all burst into song. I love now, it. have yeah, you ever exactly. read the books? Have you read any of no, the books or the Wizard of Oz? Now, the no. Witch of the East, I think it's the Wicked Witch of the East, she's really dark. Now, I could be wrong. It might be West, but I'm pretty sure it's East. But the reason the Tin Man is the Tin Man is because he's, a woodsman, and for some reason, I can't remember what it is, it's been years since I read it, she has him cut off his own body part, and he has to keep replacing them with tin until oh, he's completely yeah. a tin man. Yeah, so, I mean, this this Wicked Witch House definitely has some, uh, some potential to be pretty dark, and I love the idea that maybe that is where the dwarfies are kind of like the little munchkins. Maybe they're the smallest dwarves. They hatch in the oh, little well, eggs. Kind of like, kind they of come like, out singing. Kind of like fairy dust and pixie dust. Like there's a different classification for dwarf types too. Like there you go. Wow, are we really are we really getting into dwarf species evolution right now? God, we're dorks. No. Okay, I love it. We should write I love a book. How much we, get into that. we could, yeah, right, yeah. Why not? Like the like yeah. the untold tales of the once upon a time averse. Okay, so um. God, what else was I going to say? Oh, you know what, too? Okay, so that made me think of something else, too, right? Okay, cool. So Disney made, um, back in the 80s, they made a movie called Return to Oz, and it stars Feruza Balk as Dorothy, and it's, yes. it's, um, it's kind of more of like a of a, of a um, like a cult classic more. It wasn't very popular in the theaters or anything at the time, but it's kind of gained the following because of, you know, people like who are in their 20s like myself who know it really well and a little bit, you know, kind of around there, too older, younger, whatever. Anyways, though, yeah. in that movie, um, here's what occurred to me, too. In that movie, they have ruby slippers, 
And you and mm-hmm. I have discussed before, um, and I don't know if um, we actually talked about it on the podcast or not, but um, when you watch different adaptations of The Wizard of Oz, normally you always see that the shoes are silver. It was only in the uh, 1939 film and Return to Oz where they're actually um, red slippers. And the reason for that is because MGM, the studio that made the 1939 movie, they own the rights to the ruby slipper idea. So that's why nobody else can mm-hmm. use that without um, MGM's permission. So when I remembered um, Return to Oz and the fact that they had Dorothy with the ruby slippers in that movie, and it's a Disney movie, it made me feel kind of better about the fact that we probably are going to see the ruby slippers on Once Upon a Time because they'll probably be able to get the rights to use them again if they already did it once. I hope so. So, Yeah, Angela mentioned that the whole reason MGM did that was because they wanted the red ruby to show off the new Technicolor technology that they were using. Because you know the original movie goes from black and white to color. Because in the original books, they're silver slippers. She doesn't have ruby slippers. But I still like ruby slippers, and I'll still be making my own ruby slippers. Just in case. Okay. Okay. If it if were not for the fact that I'm a film student, I probably wouldn't do this. But I just have to correct you on one thing that you said. It's not black hmm. and white. It's actually sepia. And so many people ah. think that it's black and white, but it wasn't. It was actually filmed in sepia. It was Oz the Great and Powerful when they did their thing, the new Disney movie. When they did it, they decided to have it be hmm. black and white for reasons that are I don't understand. But yeah, the hmm. the original movie was in sepia tone. So I'm sorry that the film yeah. student nerd in me had to had to bring that point that out but I no, had that's sorry. quite all right so. <laughs> sorry I'm just a little dirt that way that's okay, quite so right. yeah um which and if you think about that too right like the whole sepia thing like will we see because we already have black and white for the land without color on once upon a time where like Frankenstein is from mm-hmm. right okay so are we going to see any kind of like a version of Kansas that's totally like sepia it out or something wouldn't that be awesome like that's something that I, I want to see a tornado. See. I would love to see oh, a yeah, tornado. Oh tornado's got to happen too, right? Oh, and there's got to be a balloon. Well, we kind oh, of have seen okay. tornado too, though. Like in the pilot, when Regina tells Snow they're going somewhere horrible, it's very tornado-like in that room. I remember thinking that, but it reminded me of you know the way Dorothy transported to Oz because everything's spinning around in a circle, and that I thought yeah. that was very much. Totally, dude. Yeah, I'm loving it. It's like McDonald's. I'm loving it. Okay, so, because um, you know what else we need? You know what else that we need to see on? You know the what I would want to see from Oz too is you know like we need a cowardly mm-hmm. lion, don't we? We need a scarecrow. We need a Tin Man. We need, um, you know, we need all. We, Glinda's gonna be in it. Like, okay, so we're getting the Wicked Witch of the West. Are we gonna get the Wicked Witch of the East? That's the story that I would also be interested in seeing on Once Upon a Time. Like, does she exist mm. also? My gosh, I hope so. Like, is Dorothy gonna be in this? I mean, I'm sure that she will be, but just the same. Like, what about the flying monkeys? Are we gonna get some uber creepy flying monkeys out of this? Oh my gosh, I hope so because they could really make them super creepy, and it was something that I'd want to see. And they are in the book. They are in the book. book. We saw that. Imagine, like, we already have the super creepy race, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, you know, did the soul sucking thing. And then, you know, we've had a couple of other creepy moments. Like, I want some creepy flying monkeys. Like, just uber creepy. Like, just, I mean, something to really be afraid of. Because in the promo that they released at the end of the winter finale, you see Snow Mm -hmm. and Regina, they're, like, on the ground and, like, looking up at something. 
and it's like they're being mm-hmm. attacked. And at first I thought that it was going to be the Wicked Witch, but then I was like, well, shoot, what if it's like the flying monkeys? Like, what if she sticks the flying monkeys on them or something while they're walking around the forest? Like, that would be awesome. Mm. Monkeys, yes, yeah. <laughs> and there's, hey, there's hey, so we're the many monkeys. versions. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those monkeys are attacking the monkeys band from the 60s. Um, there, there have been so many versions of Wizard of Oz things done. We talked about Return to Oz. One that I love that I don't I don't know how popular it is. I have the DVD. It was on Sci-Fi. It was a miniseries. It was called um, Tin Man. I don't know if oh, you all Tin are Man. familiar yeah. with that. But I yeah, love Zoe Deschanel that. Yeah, Zoe Deschanel is that one. Yes, I love Zoe Deschanel, and I love, um, I'm completely blanking on his name right now, and he's one of my favorite people on the planet, but anyway, he played Glitch in that movie, and I loved it. It was so good. So that was that was another interesting take, and, you know, it had to do with sisters and something that happened, and, you know... She, Dorothy Gale didn't, I mean, Zoe Deschanel wasn't Dorothy Gale, but Dorothy Gale had something to do with it. And I, Alan Cummings, that's it. <laughs> Sorry. That's yeah, I was, just gonna I, say, I was just about to tell you that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's another, it, there's so many directions they could end up going with this whole Oz thing. I think it's going to be really fun to watch this play out. Yeah, I, the more that we talk about it, like the you know the more possibilities that I see for this. Kind of like what Angie is saying, mm-hmm. you know, that she loves that we're exploring all these classic fantasy novel worlds. Um, that mm-hmm. was something else actually that that Diane asked Adam and Eddie about in the interview. She asked them whether or not there was any other place that they would want to, you know, kind of kind of go for, and they said that there is, but that um, they have so many toys out of the toy box right now that they kind of want to you know, get story going on for, you know, the people who are already on the show. Because I think, you know, mm-hmm. it would be really cool if there was, like, some way for, like, like, wouldn't it be awesome if they could find some way to work it in so that the Cowardly Lion was, like, Aslan before he was Aslan? Like, that Aslan from mm-hmm. Narnia was, like, once the Cowardly Lion right. was Like, wouldn't that be totally, totally like, that could work. That could, uh, I could see it. Uh, fan fiction, I'm writing it. I take my claim. Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Because that's just too good of an idea. But you know what I mean? Like, I would love them to work other stuff in there, too. But at this point, I think I kind of agree with them that there there are so many characters and possibilities and how this is all going to shake out. Like, that, you know, they probably got their hands full a little bit. Because there's also, you right. know, because um, we still have to find out, too. Because if the Wicked Witch is somehow related to one of them, then they're mm-hmm. going to be, like, that's going to fill the other spot for Henry's family tree besides his new aunt or uncle that he's going to be older than. Right. Okay, that's right. another weird thing. Okay, cool. Anyway, so, um, so, but, you know, we still have to find out who Rumpel's mother was and who Charming's father was. And I would really mm-hmm. much rather find out that stuff first. Oh, wouldn't that be something if the Wicked Witch... Oh, what if the Wicked Witch is Rumpel's mom? Because he already went through all of his issues with his dad. Oh. Hmm. Let's think on this, folks. Hmm. How could that be possible? I mean, shoot, if Peter Pan can be Rumpelstiltskin's dad and he's like a teenager, then I'm sure that there's some way for the Wicked Witch <laughs> to be his mom. Possible, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, why not? So, oh, but wouldn't that be something, though? Seriously. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
It's true. I have to think on that it a little bit. Because that could totally so be the case. So many good like maybe theories she, are coming out of. Oh, because you know what, right? Peter Pan, right? Because his whole thing, right? He had a green outfit in Neverland, right? And now we've got the Wicked Witch, and she's got green skin. Dude. Mm. Okay, even think, if that's not the case. I don't case, know if I read somewhere that we're going to find out why her skin is green. That yeah, they did I don't know that. if it's something she did or what, you know, has to do with some, you know, who she is. But I know they did say we'll find out why her skin is green. So I'm definitely interested in seeing that. Mm. Hmm. God, I can't wait for the show to come back. I'm so glad that we only have a month left. I know. It feels, it feels like One it's month forever. from today. Yes. Like, it oh, does I'm feel so like excited. it's been forever. Yeah. Seriously. It's just like, the we only hiatus have a few is going on left, and on. <laughs> It is. Like, we only have four more podcasts after this before um, – actually, no, excuse me. We only have three more after this, don't we? Yeah, I think it's only three, and then the show is back, and we're, you know, moving back to Tuesdays. So, um, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, so I should tell everybody that now. If you're new to the podcast or if you're one of our regular listeners, when the show comes back on March 9th, as of that week, we are going to be moving the podcast back to Tuesday nights at the same time, 5 o'clock. So I just want to make sure that everybody is aware of that, too. We only moved it on the Sundays so that we could fill the void left by the show. But if the show is going right. to be back, then, you know, we're going to talk about Obviously, it Obviously, we won't take over, right? So it's 8 yeah, o'clock exactly. Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific time. And yeah. we had toyed yeah. around with a different day. So if you guys have input on a different day of the week that would be better for you, then by all means, definitely tweet us or post it on the Facebook page. Our Twitter is... O-U-A-S for Once Upon a Fan Podcast. So if you tweet at, you know, O-U-A-S Podcast and just let us know if you do have a suggestion for a different date. I know a couple people have mentioned to me that Tuesdays are difficult for them because Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. comes on at 8 o'clock and that tends to be kind of big among our fandom. I know we have a lot of Marvel fans, so... Um, if you have, you know, ideas for different days or things, we're definitely open to suggestions. So just kind of throw those out there or even things that you want us to talk about or cover on the, on the podcast. We're always checking the Twitter and the Facebook feed. So anytime you want to get us a message, we are always on Twitter. And Zach's personal Twitter is the Zach Van and mine is the at Amelia 403 and it's AMY. L-I-A-403. So anyway, you want to get in touch with us, go right ahead. Yeah, because I also heard um, a couple of suggestions that we maybe move it to Monday nights, the day right after the show, um, so that mm-hmm. we can talk about it. But the only reason why I don't want to do that is because um, I want to give people a chance to watch it on DVR or, you know, whatever. Right. People have, you know, I don't, I don't want to have to expect them to watch it the very next day because some people just can't do that. So I, that's why I did want to have it on Tuesdays because it just seems to work better. So, um, right. So there's, that's for that reason. But so for now, we are going to be keeping it on Tuesdays um, at, like Amy said, 8 o'clock Pacific or 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific because I know where I live and what time it is. And, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> geez, I tell you. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, feel free to get in touch with us any of the other ways that Amy said. Oh, too, we also have an email, which is O-U-A-F, once upon a fan, podcast at gmail.com. So if you want to get in touch with us about anything else, then that would be the way to do it. And um, we are almost at the end of the show, and um, I do want to kind of get through the rest of the episode really quick. Because, I mean, really what ends up happening is that Emma comes back down the beanstalk, and, you know, we see that... 
um, you know, she's in, in the flashback, we see that she's in the jail cell and, you know, she's got the pregnancy test and she gets the keys for the car and finds out that she's having Henry. Okay. So that's the end of Tallahassee. Um, mm. The next, um, so uh, there is something that I want to address really quick, but um, before I get to that, I just want to let everybody know what the next few um, podcasts are going to be. So next week um, on Sunday, same time, we're going to be watching uh, the cricket game, um, which is going to be a very significant episode as far as the, my color theory goes, and there's a reason why I picked it for that. But it also has a lot to do with uh, Emma's development as a character and uh, you know her ability to use magic and things that are probably going to come into play in the second half of season three. Um, right. So I will be posting, um, I'll be posting a picture, actually, a comparison picture on the Once Upon a Fan podcast uh, Facebook page pretty soon. We'll also put it on Twitter where you can kind of see one of the things that I'm going to be talking about um, visually because there's actually a, a direct contrast between something, a scene that happens in the cricket game and a scene that happens in the pilot. Um, it's going all the way back to the beginning mm-hmm. of the show. Um, so just want to let you guys know that. And then the Sunday after that, we've got Manhattan, which I've mentioned quite a few times already in the last hour and a half almost. But, yeah, we're going to be watching Manhattan in two weeks. And then after that, we've got um, – we're doing a special um, – are we doing a two-hour episode? I don't think we've decided that yet. So for the very last podcast before Once Upon a Time comes back on March 2nd, we're going to be doing the uh, – we're going to be watching the last two episodes of season two, Second Start of the Right and Straight On Till Morning, because it's basically like a two-parter, and it led directly into season three, so that's where we're going to be picking up the story from. Um, so yeah, we're going to be doing that, and I don't know if we're going to do, we should probably do two hours, because we've got two episodes to watch. I know we right. want to have another big two-hour-long episode. Okay, so that's what's coming up, and then on March, um, the week of March 9th, we'll be back on the air on March 11th, which is that Tuesday for now. And uh, we'll be watching. Um, we'll, well, we'll be recapping New York City Serenade because that is going to be the. Mm-hmm. I w- guess what we call it, the spring premiere for Once Upon a Time, right? Winter and spring. Okay, yeah, let's I go think with so. It. Yeah. So, yeah, that, spring that, premiere. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the title of the spring premiere there. So um, here's the thing that I wanted to address. Um, we've got a couple of messages come into Once Upon a Fan about specifically about the podcast, and there's two issues. Uh, well, there's one major issue that I really want to address first. Um, we've got a couple of messages that said that people were um, not interested. They were going to be unsubscribing from the podcast because they did not believe that we were a site or a podcast that accepts diversity because of something that I said a couple of weeks ago. Um, when I was talking about Swan Queen on a few weeks ago on a podcast, I said that we weren't going to be addressing that issue because it was such a volatile topic. And it raises a lot of um, passion and um, perhaps a little bit of negativity as well in certain fans. And so mm-hmm. I didn't even want to, to address the issue because it was just touchy. And so when we got the messages that said that, um, that we weren't accepting diversity, I kind of just wanted to clarify the whole thing with Swan Queen. So um, at San Diego Comic-Con last year in July, I was there for Once Upon a Fan, for anybody who doesn't know, and um, the cast went and they did their regular panel, which it was, you know, televised, well, not televised, but you can find the clips of it. It's the one where they're all at the long tables and they're talking and answering questions. And then mm-hmm. after that is when they came from the convention center over to the hotel where they were actually doing the press room, and then that's where I met them. So there was a gap in between where they were traveling. And from what I understand, um, there were a lot of Swan Queen fans who were waiting at the hotel at the spot where they were getting out, 
And they gave the, the uh, creators and the cast uh, quite a bit of grief over Swan Queen and the fact that Swan Queen was not going to actually be happening um, and that they should basically let the issue go. Um, and it kind of rattled the cast a little bit from what I understand, too. I didn't have a chance to talk to them mm-hmm. any, you know, directly to ask them about that in the press room because I didn't know about it at the time. I learned about it after the fact because I was in the hotel room. But um, mm-hmm. um, so it was a – yeah, so that's one reason. And then secondly, too, there was recently a couple of months ago um, an issue on Twitter with the whole Swan Queen thing, and Adam Horowitz was going back and forth with a few fans about it. And so here's what I just want to say about that. Um, we, Once Upon a Fan is a site that does accept diversity. Speaking for myself, and normally I don't reveal this information, but I feel that it's pertinent, um, I am a, I'm a gay person in, who is in an interracial relationship. So for anyone to say that I don't accept diversity, I think is uh, maybe jumping the gun as far as judgment goes. It should probably have a little bit more information under their belt before they make such a snap decision like that, um, mm-hmm. because that's that's not, you know, the kind of community or that's, that's, that's just not the case at all. I'm completely accepting of diversity. And the only reason why I didn't want to talk about Swan Queen was because so many fans could be negative about it. Having said that, um, we are going to start talking about Swan Queen on the podcast because I have taken a second look at it. And I do think it's a subject that we should probably talk about, um, especially in Mm -hmm. light of Mulan and Aurora and their storyline. So if that issue comes up anymore, we are going to start talking about it um, because I, I want to engage in that discussion in a way that, you know, lets everybody express their opinions, you know, kind of freely. So um, right. just wanted to put that out there. Didn't want to go too personal or stern on anybody. We've had a pretty fun, you know, show this time around. But I just wanted to let mm-hmm. everybody know that, you know, we are completely accepting of diversity and, you know, all types, shades, loves of people. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And we think, you know, we I we don't care who anybody ships. We feel like all ships should be, you know, kind and respectful to each other. If you don't ship who I ship, then that's fine. And, you know, gay, gay, straight, bi, whatever. I think I was probably the first one on our site to come out and say, you know, look, I'm straight and married and have kids and we have no problem if they make Mulan and Aurora a lesbian couple, good for them, you know, we're, I'm absolutely with Zach on this. We definitely are very accepting and very open to diversity. Yeah. So just going to put that little PSA out there. Um, It is the end of our podcast. So I hope everybody had fun despite the more serious tone that it ended on. Um, Don't think (laughs) that it's always going to be like that everybody, because I mean, we were talking earlier about, all kinds of ridiculous things. So that's just going to keep on going too. So we hope that you will join us next week. I had a lot of fun talking about the Wake of Witch and everything this week, and I'm sure we're going to get into these kind of discussions again as we get closer to the show, and especially when season three picks back up. So um, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And in the chat room, thank you for joining us, and we hope everybody has a good night. Yep, good night.